before we begin the episode, a reminder that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You might have seen these green ribbons around. That's what that's to remind us of. On Pockets Full of Soup, uh, we talk a lot about mental health and mental illness. Um, Well, that's because a lot of people are affected by mental health issues, either directly through suffering through mental illness, like I do, or indirectly uh, by knowing or loving someone who deals with mental health issues. I encourage you to learn more about mental health. A good place to start is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, who have all kinds of amazing information and resources available. Learning more about something is the beginning of being able to do something. Uh, And I really just want you to go out and find out what you can. If you're suffering from mental illness right now, guess what? There is help to be found out there. And I encourage you to seek out knowledge which can be the beginning of transformative change. In the meantime, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you have stories that you want to tell us, you can always send them to mail at pocketsfullsoup.com. And now we're going to get on to another story that very directly uh, talks about issues of mental health. I hope you'll enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined today by a special friend, a real treat, a delightful human being. Who are you? Callie Plaguey. That's right. You're Callie Plaguey. Where might folks know you from, Callie Plaguey? I am formerly IGN and I currently work at GameSpot. Oh, what do you do there? I am an associate editor. I do video games and I do anime. We have an entertainment channel that people might not be aware of, but it's called GameSpot Universe. We do it on YouTube and I do an anime feature. I, I help produce and I write and I star in most of the time an anime feature pretty much every week. I would dare say yay anime. Yay anime. Yay anime forever. Close to my heart. All right. So anyway, uh, besides what you do uh, during your day at your day job, what else? What else, what else do you enjoy, Cal? Um, I really enjoy reading. Um, I like historical nonfiction. Oh, fun. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm still, I've been very slowly picking away at Double in the White City oh. um, about the first serial killer in the U.S. That's that's actually, you know what? I'm, I'm beating around the bush. I love true crime. Okay. You're a true crime person. All right. I love true crime and i don't know what it is about murder that fascinates me um but i love hearing about why and what goes on with the psychology of somebody who does that and i also like hearing about the person i I want to remember the person who's a victim because i feel like you if you're going to go in such a horrific way Mm -hmm. i i would want to be remembered not for that but for who i was and i always like to um learn a little bit about the victim in in a not weird way so when you in the true crime story you tend to gravitate toward the victim well not first i i always gravitate towards the psychology of the 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 murderer the murderer okay i always think it's fascinating and i also love uh, crime fiction i mean i one of Mm -hmm. my favorite stories is um Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Um, and it actually, when I was a kid, I, or not a kid, when I was a senior in high school, I wanted to uh, join the FBI because of that movie. Because of the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you read the novel or I watch the movie not. first? I watched the movie first. Okay. Um, and I've been wanting to read the novel and it's one of those, I don't have time because I want to do so many things, things. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I was always very fascinated with that and I'm secondarily fascinated in the person who catches the criminal okay um that's the second thing i focus on and then the last thing i focus on is 
what about the people who are affected by this? What is that human story? And so you follow up on on mm -hmm. the victim in that. I can't remember who it was who said that about Hannibal Lecter. It was a commentator <laughs> somewhere that said, if you met him at a party, you would want him to like you. Yeah. Um, and I thought that 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 end of that, because that's not a true crime story. That's that's a bit of fantasy, but it is mm -hmm. tied into a lot of true crime serial killer events. And you talked about you talk about Devil in the White City. Oh, my gosh. Uh, have you ever have you been to Chicago to the Field Museum or any of that? I have. My dad's from Chicago. I go, oh. I go pretty much every year to Chicago. So you have been to the last standing building from the White City. I have. I've been all I, I Chicago is my favorite city for museums. No kidding. Yes. I whenever I travel, I go to museums and every city I go to I have to uh, unless I'm working in a city so you know if I'm oh, oh, oh me too me too <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I'm very excited but I love museums I so much I love museums so when I went to the UK when I graduated high school I mean that was where every city we went to I was like I need to hit up the fashion museum in Bath I need to hit up you know the natural history museum in London okay. I, so in Chicago I, I went to the art museum where they have that painting and I always forget the name because it's in French and I don't speak any French at all um, the the painting of the park from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How do you say the painting of the park from Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Nihongo? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, don't ask me that. The park is right? Cohen, right? Cohen. So... Cohen. Oh, what's the word for painting? For painting? I don't remember the word I for painting. I don't remember the word for painting. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm sure it's in that textbook in the background. We could run and grab that. I don't remember the word for painting. Uh, yeah, Cohen. Something. Yep. Mm. I remember when I had been in Japan for like five days. I remember I was looking for there's a place called Monkey Park. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a primate zoo. Love it. That was near our uh, we lived up in uh, Seki and it was not too far from there. And it, it is the world's largest primate zoo. We didn't have any money, but it was close to our new place. And we just we arrived, worked for like one week, and then our school went on break. So, we oh. had, so we're like, well, we want to see Japan. We don't have any money yet, so let's go to Monkey Park. Mm -hmm. So we're wandering around. We don't speak any Japanese. Saru is monkey. Cohen is park. Cohen, so yeah. we're asking about, and we don't even know enough to phrase it right. So we're literally saying Saru Cohen, which is not going to make any sense to anybody. <laughs> yeah. And we're wandering around Inuyama going, Saru Cohen? Saru Cohen? God. You know, asking people, and just looking at us like, who are you people? And why are you wandering around? And what do those words mean? <laughs> Nani <laughs> And finally, after about an hour of looking for this supposedly huge zoo, we come across an old man. He, he looks like he's in his 80s um, with his wife. And we're trying to talk to them in Japanese. And they're very politely responding. And and we're trying. And finally, my wife in desperation goes, monkey? And the gentleman goes, oh, monkey center. Monorail. Follow me. In perfect English. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, my God. So we just walk along and it takes us to a monorail train that leads up to this giant monkey zoo. And you've been trying so hard to speak Japanese. And yeah, he's just like, no, he speaks English. great English. He's just wonderful. He's just like, he really, he's just being polite, you know? It's not much of a story, but. Uh, no, I, I feel like that would happen to me. I would try. I would be like, Hantogomen. Uh, and I would like do that for a while and then finally someone would be like English and I'd be like oh god thank you yeah you speak like 20 times better Japanese than I do I have a I have a good ear for accents I think is what it is mm -hmm. my vocabulary I think my grammar is better than my vocabulary yeah to be honest um I I'm so bad with vocabulary I was all I'm very grammar focused okay I always was um which is why I love copy editing so I could speak it well enough to get by, mm -hmm. um, but never well. 
yeah. and 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 never had any skill at writing it. I'm always amazed to see when you oh. see you. Yeah, you get down to your kanji. It's, it's I good. love learning kanji. Yeah, you're really good at that. I love doing drills. I mean, when I did karate in high school, my I loved doing forms because it was just sort of like you you memorize and then you you iterate and you execute and you like learn kata. How. Yeah, like kata. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, I was actually better at sparring, um, but when I was a teenager, I was very rigidly Ravenclaw, very Hermione. <laughs> so I was like, I like Kata. And then I realized that I was good at sparring and I was like, never mind. I like kicking dudes in the head. By the way, if, if we don't say anything, we're going to get 20 comments. We, we know that Hermione's not Ravenclaw. We just know she should have been. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ab abs oh my God. Yeah. If someone tries to explain Harry Potter to me in the comments, Mm -mm. Yeah. I have a horse in Zelda named Thestral. He has a monster bridle and a monster saddle. N nicely done. And you can see him because in Zelda you've died hundreds and hundreds of exactly. times. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've seen many deaths because you've been alive for a hundred years. Okay, so um, <gasps> anyway. Uh, you knew that. Yeah, you know it in like the first minute. I yeah. Um, that is not a spoiler. No. Um, no, but uh, anyway. Yeah, no, Hermione definitely of the three of Ron, Harry, and Hermione is the one who has the typical Ravenclaw traits. And it's the whole thing in Harry Potter is that you can have the traits but still belong to another yeah. house. Well, she definitely has the heart of a Gryffindor, but yes. she also has the, the mind and disposition in many ways of a Ravenclaw. So yeah. it could have gone either way, much like Harry and Slytherin. Yeah, and the, I feel that I feel like I'm on the border between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Ah, I'm okay. very ambitious. I am 105% Slytherin. Uh, really? Oh yeah, absolutely. To, to the not core. a slither puff. No, I'm not a slither puff. Don't. don't. <laughs> there's this, this nothing. This interview is over. Oh no, there's nothing wrong with the Hufflepuff. So this interview is <laughs> over. House loyalty. What's your Harry Potter house? Let us know. Uh, actually, do let us know in the comments. I and, would uh, love to know. Yeah, and uh, tweet us. Uh, tweet it, uh, Kelly. What's your Twitter? Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. I haven't gotten to do that in a while. And I'm Petty Comma Jared, P-E-T-T-Y-C-O-M-M-A-J-A-R-E-D. So yeah, let us know what house you, uh, you're a part of and why. Love to know what makes that up. Now, uh, to get to that kind of kickoff question for Pockets Full of Soup that's uh, always the same until I decide to change it, which I occasionally do every now and then. Um, but today we're, we're going Pockets Full of Classic here. So, oh. Kelly, tell me about somebody you're thankful for. All right. So um, I've been thinking about this since you started doing pockets. Um, and I went through a lot of people that matter to me. And there, I mean, people matter to me more than anything else. And um, part of that is coming from a place in my childhood where I didn't really know exactly how to relate to people very well and, and had trouble with that. So um, my relationships are the most important thing to me. And um, so I put a lot of thought into this. And the the person I really want to talk about is very complicated. I oh. want to talk about my first boyfriend. Your very first my boyfriend? My very first boyfriend. I didn't date in high school, so this isn't, I was 18. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm talking about somebody like who's 12 years old. Okay. Um, so... So you started dating your first boyfriend when you were 18 years old. When I was old. 18. Okay. Um, in college. Uh, I went to UC Berkeley and uh, he lived on my floor. And um, it's very complicated. And I, I, I want to stress that I don't mean this in a relationship, romantic relationship sense. I mean this in an interpersonal human relationship sense. This is a relationship as far as a connection between two people goes that was very impactful on my life and my life trajectory. trajectory, um, And that is why I wanted to talk about him. So less from the magnitude of the romance and more from the magnitude of the human interaction. Exactly. Place. And, okay, yeah. I, let's, let's start here. What's his name? 
I would not like to say. Okay, well, what are we going to call it? How about we that? are. Let's. Oh, that's a good question. What are some? What's a name? What's a name? How about Bob? Bob's perfect. Okay, let's okay. talk about Bob. Yeah. yeah. So we'll go forward here. So you met him when you were 18 years old. Now you mentioned you didn't date beforehand. Do I you didn't. mind me asking why? Um, I have really bad anxiety, <laughs> and I uh, that really impeded my ability to um kind of put myself out there. I mean, mm -hmm. it still does to many to to a much much lesser extent, mm -hmm. but um. I mean, I just was overcome with anxiety about it. Okay, so the thought of going out on a date with someone, the thought of approaching someone about attraction. I mean, I didn't. I also, because of the anxiety, I had very low self-esteem, and I didn't really think I was uh, deserving of any of that sort of attention. So, um, and I, I definitely get like that to this day, where I'm like, like if I find, I found out if I find out anybody that I think is cute has a crush on me, yeah. I'm like. Do you need glasses? Um, I mean, I, I, I have been fighting that for a very long time, and it's getting a lot better, but I still have that. That impulse is that still impulse. there. So um, it was very bad when I was in high school, and I did not feel like I deserved any of that. When someone turned attention your way uh, before you met Bob, <laughs> what was that like? That That's another thing. I, uh, there was somebody in my creative writing class when I was a junior year, um, who wanted to go out with me and I basically froze completely. I, I couldn't talk to him. Mm -hmm. um, and that happened a couple times where somebody expressed interest in me and I, I absolutely shut down completely. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't do that anymore. I do, it seems, I feel like in relationships I seem very tsundere um, when I'm not uh, because of the shyness. So I'm very much like, don't even look at me but it's not like a it's not like I like you or anything sort of deal it's more like I don't want you to know that I have feelings because feelings are embarrassing so well, for, for those who uh, who don't know Sundare uh, can can you give us the uh, the quick definition yeah the very brief def definition is somebody who has a very hard exterior but is a soft bunch of goo on the inside so Sundare might look at you and be like oh you disgusting dog but then on the inside be like I love you so much the Cadbury egg of people. Exactly. Right, there, so uh, I'm more just hard on my sleeve kind of person, but I'm very shameful about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But something changed because you, you go you go to college, you, you start your freshman year, mm -hmm. you're 18 years old, mm -hmm. and uh, you were at Berkeley, right? I was. So okay, I started so I started at UC Berkeley as a chemistry major. I applied into the College of Chemistry, which is the top chemistry school in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I had taken AP Chemistry. I was a chemistry TA. Um, and so I was teaching chemistry my senior year and uh, I wanted, like I said uh, earlier, I wanted to join the FBI. I wanted to do um, forensic science. I wanted uh, to do forensic investigation. Okay. Um, and I also, I never watched like a, everyone always like because of CSI. And I was like, no, I pretty much only watched documentaries about forensic science. I was so a, you're big, a chemist. I was. <laughs> What's the most fun thing you ever chemistry fied? I'm sure that's a word. Oh, when you explode methane bubbles. Oh, Oh, methane bubbles explode? Right. Well, when, yeah, when you put fire on them. So we had to rig this um, uh, meter stick, yeah. yardstick, okay. whatever they're called. And uh, we, some unit of measure. Some, some long stick with, with notches in it. Um, put a candle on the end, light the candle, hold it up to a methane bubble, and the methane bubble would explode. Whoa. 
don't do this at home, kids. Don't do, yeah, don't do it, not in a chemistry lab, but your chemistry teacher might do it for you. Whoa, okay. That's Take exciting. chemistry, study. So, back to Bob. We're, but, at the, so, we're at the dorm and something changes. So, we're at the you, dorm. You have, you've, you've expressed, you know, shutting down when people approach mm-hmm. you, a, a paralyzing difficulty in approaching others. But then you go off to school at Berkeley, you're there in the dorm, and there's this guy in the building with you. Mm-hmm. So what changed, Kelly? Um, well, uh, one of the things was um, it was sort of um, situational um, because my roommate was somebody I knew in high school um, and she uh, liked to kick me out because she met a guy okay. um, and started dating him pretty much immediately. And which is that wasn't a judgmental thing; it's just a fact. Um, but she would then be like, "He's staying over because his dorm's really far away, so you need to find another place oh, to sleep." Okay, you can you leave so we can we can have sex in our dorm? Room. Exactly. Uh, which happens? Don't don't go to college. Um, that's the lesson. Here. <laughs> don't stay in school um, because your roommate will have a lot of sex and make you leave. It's um, <laughs> a lot of truth to that. <laughs> anyway, please continue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it was just very frequent. It was usually overnight. Yeah. So, um, where did you go? I would sleep in the common room for a while. Uh, the reason I talked about chemistry is because I was in the science dorm, so it was like a specific kind of dorm setup. And he was one of the only other people in the dorm who, um, or one of the only people in the dorm who wasn't in uh, a science major. Okay. I say other because I ended up not pursuing chemistry, um, but so he was uh, studying economics or wanted to study economics, um, and. Uh, we bonded over video games, oh. um, which th- so this is going to be a kind of a roundabout thing. I had pretty much stopped playing video games um, in the mid to late 2000s because I was working on getting into college. And I okay. really I wanted to go to Caltech very badly um, and I didn't get in. <laughs> uh, and but a lot of cramming, a lot of preparation. A, I mean, I uh, I think my senior year I got eight to ten hours of sleep a school week. Oh my gosh, Kelly. I had really bad insomnia. That's when my depression really started. Um, And the depression resulted in insomnia. Um, And I'm very open about my depression and anxiety. If you follow me in any sense, you've probably seen me tweet about it. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Don't worry about that here. Oh, yeah. Plenty. That's something we talk about on the show quite a bit, actually. Absolutely an open book about that because that I want to be for somebody else, the person that I could have used. And that's sort of what this story is about. So um, my depression started my senior year and um, uh, being kicked out of my room all the time was not helping. Um, and so I started to play games more um, and kind of retreat back into it. And I had played games a lot as a kid. My parents play games. So um, there's a big gap, uh, not a big gap, but there's a gap of a couple years where there's games I'm still catching up on um, because I didn't play for school. Um, so I started uh, in my dorm. I was playing Portal 2. That's okay. going to tell you how young I am. Um, this was 2011. <laughs> Uh, so I'm playing Portal 2, and uh, a group of guys, including Bob, walk by, and they hear Gladys, and they all, my door's wide open, I'm the only yeah. person in sight, and they're all looking around, like, where's this voice coming from? And I was like, hey, and they immediately were like, what? Wait, was it because you were playing a game? Yeah, or, I mean, it, it was very much, they were not expecting that. Um, because I was the girl with the Pink Floyd poster on my wall. Girls play games? Well, I just, I don't think, well, at the time I thought maybe it was that. Now I'm thinking maybe it was because I just didn't seem, uh, when we moved, when me and my roommate moved in, my old roommate, um, cause she and I were very close before 
college happened. Yeah. We were blasting Zeppelin. We were putting up our... Uh, I had a Pink Floyd poster. She had a Zeppelin poster. Um, the Wall is a very important album to me because of mental health stuff. Um, okay. So I had a, a, a Mother Should I Trust the Government poster. We also had... Um, like an Audrey Hepburn poster yeah. and like so we just like kind of looked like your dorm room and my dorm room looked a lot alike uh I I, I had Audrey Hepburn and, yeah. and and Led Zeppelin as well I believe yeah uh, we had the time, the so V-Day that's... kiss um oh, nice. a, yeah um I had a Stephen Colbert poster I think you had the V-Day kiss and the Stephen Colbert poster <laughs> yeah. side by side oh no we had this a... is the most 2011 dorm room ever yeah it's kind of fantastic yeah. so they hear you playing portal yeah and there's Bob yeah. Okay. And so we started hanging out. They invited me to go to um, the dining hall with them, and and we started just hanging out as a floor, and we all became friends. Uh, and then Bob and his roommate um, would take me, and they let me sleep on their floor when my roommate kicked me out, which is very frequent. So because there were other people involved around Bob, was it easier? Yes. Okay, because helps. I didn't initially see it as, oh, we're totally going to start dating. It was more like, I'm making friends. Uh I have a hard time with this as it is and these people are nice and we all like nerdy stuff. We would watch Maury on Tuesdays because all of us had lab and we didn't have, we had a weird gap on Tuesdays and we called it Tuesdays with Maury. Maury. Um, and so it was just like we found, pe- we all had like these. There we, is no we, forgiveness for you. I know. We got each other. We're all damned to hell, clearly. Um, but um, yeah, so eventually uh, we started dating um, and it it was definitely like I was forced forced by my roommate's actions to into the situation where these two dudes would take me in basically and let me sleep on their floor. Okay. And then from there we got closer and he started showing more interest in me. Okay. And that's when I gained the confidence to to kind of accept that, that was what was happening. Okay, because so you were sort of eased into it by the comfort of a, a sort of a narrowing group of friends, mm-hmm. genuine friendliness. Yeah. So what about what about that transition from friendship to relational intimacy in in a dating sense? How how did that happen? It was very slow. It was yeah. extremely slow. Um, Were you drawn to him in that way? Um, it's hard to tell because since I've um, gained a better understanding of what that means for me as okay. like an individual. Um, I mean, this was very much like a. I don't know myself. I don't know what I, who I am or what I need. Mm-hmm. And, and this works. Um, and so it was a very long time before we like really, I mean, everybody knew, but um, that we were like seeing each other, but it was a very long time before we really got into like a relationship rhythm, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. Can you tell me about when, when you well, before we when actually, let me ask you this, what about this gentleman drew you to him? What is tell me about Bob? We we know that Bob's the kind of person that hangs out with his friends at a dorm and invites you to his room. Yeah. We know he lets lets you sleep on his floor, yeah. and we know that he likes Gladys and appreciates Pink Floyd posters. Tell us about him a little bit. Um, I mean, it's been it's it feels like a lifetime ago, and it hasn't been that many years, but um so much has changed for me and this is basically the the impetus of that um but it that that beginning time is very distant and I, I mean like I'll listen to music that I listened to at that time and I'll, I'll kind of go back to that but um it was very much common interests and then uh he recognized things in things about me and things 
in me that um, when he voiced that to me, it made sense. Um, so give me an example. Right. So the, the main crux of this story is that he is the person after a, over a year of being miserable um, said, I think you have depression. After a year of seeing you miserable. You mean, is that well, after a year of everyone I cared about seeing me miserable, I met him okay. and it was spring. So it's spring of 2012. He said, I think you have depression. So he had known you at that point for six months. months. Okay. About six months. Yeah. When did he tell you this? It was midway through spring semester. Where were you at? Um, we had, we were like definitely dating, solidly dating. I think he'd met my parents and... We'd um, gone to visit his family and like, it was very much like, oh, we're in this. Um, and I just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was having a very hard time getting out of bed. I slept a lot. Um, I had a hard time going to class and feeling motivated. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do because I didn't like chemistry. And I was taking computer science and I liked it, but I struggled a lot with having the, um, energy and like mental capacity because when you're really depressed you have this mental fog a lot of the time and that's very much where I was um, and so it was very hard for me to think it was like thinking through molasses is how I always described it is it yep. took me way too long and I, I was terrified that I was like losing my intelligence and like I said I was a 100% a Hermione and I thought that that I was losing everything that made me me and and um, it was very terrifying. So, um, and Bob looks at you and says, "I think you're depressed." Yeah. Had you considered it before that? No, but I looked back at old journals um, from the end of my senior year of yeah. high school, and there's one entry. I was getting ready to leave for the UK, and I talked about going to the UK, but that was a I, I need to go back because that was a trip tainted by that that um, depressive episode that lasted years. Um, and I, I found this journal entry that was like, I, start, I, I, I think I said, I, I sort of don't care if I die in England. Hmm. And because I did not want to go back to, to home and go back to, to have to start college. Um, and at the time I didn't think of that as a red flag. And obviously that is a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. um, and so it hadn't occurred to me. I thought, and everybody thought, my parents thought that I had senioritis because I had been this hardworking, staying up late, AP classes, Hermione, yeah. my whole life. And uh, they thought, she's just very tired. She's just burnt out. Right. And um, it, it just didn't, I just didn't know. Um, and that's why I talk about it now is because I, I, if I had heard somebody articulating these things, um, I would have been able to recognize it a lot sooner, I think. And so he was the person who, who looked at me and saw through that and liked the core of me mm -hmm. as I was then, uh, but was able to recognize that there was something wrong and um, something off. And he said, I think you should see somebody. Um, how did when somebody you're in your first relationship with this is somebody that that this is your you, you know whatever we, we first love you're the first person you've ever been in, in a relationship with somebody you're 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 very close to looks at you and says i think you're depressed i think you may need to see somebody what's it like hearing that um 
I remember trying to rationalize why that wouldn't be right. And then I remember thinking maybe that's there's something there. And I remember Googling furiously. I was like, well, maybe it's bipolar because, you know, I, I'm not always depressed. Like, I didn't understand mm -hmm. that, like, depression wasn't sadness. Um, right. And, you'd, never, you'd never studied the illness before. No. And I just didn't get the proper education on it. So I thought depression meant you're always sad. And I knew that wasn't true because I had a great time with my friends. And we were always yeah. laughing. We'd play Mario Kart and scream at each other. And then the RA would come and be like, you guys need to quiet down. And we were the loud floor, you know, because like, we were always playing Mario Kart or Mario Party or something. And then Dark Souls came out and then everyone was yelling all the time you know um and uh and i love that you chronicle your memories with the volume level of of your game interactions yeah, absolutely kind of the mental indexing going on here is fantastic Ab absolutely uh, but you you hear that so you were you angry with him no not at no. all no. i was very hesitant i i thought that can't be right because i still laugh and uh, there must be something else. Okay. And then I started to look in depression, into depression more. And I was depression as someone I'm, I was eventually diagnosed later that year. Um, I mean, I, now I describe it as the ab, the void of feeling. It's not sadness. It's not, I, you know, I'm just sad because something bad happened to me. It's, it's like, I didn't, there were times where I like, I would sit in that window and stare at nothing and I would mm -hmm. feel nothing. Yeah. for hours and I would sit there and it wasn't like I was feeling sad it's like this quiet melancholy and um, it's something that some games lately have been capturing for me so um, um, Night in the Woods has this sort of just this stoic it's not sad it's not angry it's just kind of like when you listen to a rainy day song and you kind of go blank and that's that's your existence and um part of that i think part of the reason i got that way was because um my anxiety was oops <laughs> my anxiety was so severe i i think my i have two i've been diagnosed with two separate disorders so social anxiety and generalized anxiety okay. um and i think i can trace those back to about age eight okay. um so for 10 years i lived with untreated anxiety and i actually trained myself because i would have panic attacks regularly yeah like one uh, several times a week and for me a panic attack was sobbing hysterical crying because right. if i got one answer wrong at, at age eight if i missed a question on my homework that was the end of my life mm -hmm. and I, a part of it was because I was I was very ambitious and I always wanted to do my best, and and but most of it was the anxiety and so I actually because it became so humiliating to have those I mean I would have them in class yeah um and no no teacher ever went to my parents and said that Callie ha has been overreacting so it was always like well she's probably going to start her period right she's twelve and like honestly was, do honestly you, do you think that was a, a was it a lack of education and context on the part of, of the educator? Was it? A, I, I mean, I got a lot of. I mean, a lot of it was she's just a very sensitive girl, mm -hmm. and 
So here you are, 18 years old. You've gone this long in your life, 19 years old maybe by this point. Mm -hmm. And Bob looks at you and says, no, I think it's something very different. Yeah. And and I realized I had trained myself to not cry. And I didn't cry for a very long time. And I was reading about about Mm -hmm. depression and about that absence of feeling about that brain fog and um i gave myself the vocabulary to articulate that to the psychiatrist and so that was the first the first step was him telling me i think you're depressed the second step was me understanding what that meant and how to articulate the the lack of feeling Mm -hmm. the articulate the experience because it's not it's not emotions it's 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 the same thing as having any other sort of chronic illness um and so getting that vocabulary was very important in advocating for myself and then um i talked to my parents and i said i think i'm depressed and um my mom said when are you going to get your shit together and uh i mean it just took a lot of education to to get them to a place where they understood what was going on with me and, and now it's now our relationship is fantastic but it was very very hard um how long did it take you to reconcile with the medical reality uh from the time that bob talked to you to the time that you really embraced the treatment and began to understand what was happening in your life a long time yeah. i didn't um i still have never been to a psychiatrist i like um i don't like how they talk to me um i always feel condescended to in a psychiatrist's office it took me a long time and and therapy was really the thing that helped me the most and it took me a while to find a therapist i liked and i still see her in berkeley um for for people who aren't familiar with psychiatric treatment can you explain the difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist Mm -hmm. brief right so the technical difference is that a psychiatrist is an md so they can prescribe medication but basically the appointment is um with a therapist you usually go for an hour um and talk through something and so um at the very beginning it was talking through like what is going on with you where do you think that comes from and kind of getting delving into um you know what like where do you think this anxiety started and they talked about you know i remember being eight and um and uh, a psychiatrist is very almost the ones i have been to and this is obviously just my experience Mm -hmm. but um much more sterile and uh it's the appointments are much shorter and they're not really asking you about the real like the deeper meaning of what's going on it's very much like well are you eating yeah are you psychiatrists sleeping? deal with the, they'll often refer you to therapists some psychiatrists do perform therapy but not, not so many yeah. um, i've been lucky on psychiatrists actually uh and that's but um, it is a different experience, but you found help in therapy, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is the uh, the process of working directly in conversation with someone. There are different schools of that and different systems, right. and uh, and it's helped you. I'm going to take a second. I want to go back to this uh, this Bob guy. Yes, yes, that was a, a an aside, but no, basically, no, it's not an aside. It's a very important part of the story yeah. because this is what this gentleman helped you understand. Mm-hmm. What did that What did that come? I mean, what happened after with you and Bob? Um, so he also had anxiety problems for different reasons um, and, and reacted very differently to anxiety than I did. A very different kind. Was he diagnosed at the time that he talked with you? Um, I don't recall, but he also had a medical condition. So he did take, 
he, he was going through the process of finding medications, I remember, um, and getting anxiety medications, whereas I was looking for antidepressants, which are very different medications. Right. Um, that spring, so my second semester of college, he withdrew. At Berkeley, you can um, withdraw and then re-enroll in the next semester, and you don't like fail all your classes. It's and you can do a medical withdrawal. So I think he did a medical withdrawal, mm -hmm. um, which can be done for any number of reasons. So you can be like, I, you know, got a, a horrible disease, and yeah. I, you know, I have to withdraw, um, and then you can be readmitted. So it's not like you're quitting or anything. No, just stepping so, away from a little while to deal with yeah. things that need to need dealt with. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure a lot of universities have this. It's just I don't know what they're called at other universities. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up withdrawing that semester as well. Um, and that started a trend of me never having a successful spring semester. Um, uh, but so we both withdrew um, and we almost broke up. At that, at that point, I, I thought about I considered breaking up with him because of a bad experience um around that time um but we did not break up and was he thinking that that was a good idea as well or no he did not want to break up he didn't want to break up but you did yeah um do you want to talk about why no <laughs> okay so you're together but mm -hmm. things are kind of rocky and yeah. you're both stepping away from school temporarily mm -hmm. and he lived in um he lived about two hours away from where I was from. So we were able to see each other that summer. And that summer, um, he, I mean, I mean, I, I was upset with every, pretty much every aspect of my life. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of how depression is. He said, you know, you really like to write. Have you thought about starting a blog on IGN? <laughs> did he write there ever? No. No. So why did he suggest that for you? Had you brought it up? He before? was an IGN fan. Okay. Um, and he knew I liked video games. Yeah. And I was getting back into video games after a hiatus, and he said, "Why don't you, why don't you blog?" So I made an account, which is still my IGN account. Mm -hmm. When I was there, it's uh, Kasumi, Kasumi. Um. About about when was this? Two thousand twelve, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah, so I and you so, just decided to go. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. In 2012, I started blogging on IGN uh, with uh, we watched the E3 presentations together that year. Oh, and um, I wrote about Nintendo. Okay. Um, and then from there, I wrote a lot about, um, I mean, a lot of like early video game feminism was happening. If mm -hmm. that makes sense, that beginning of feminist frequency and um early discussions uh of things that you know it's been five years and i've since evolved my opinions very greatly but uh but you were writing there about i them. wrote on ign about those things about sort of the hot button topics in gaming and i was 19 i mean uh, <laughs> uh and i still am friends with people i met through the blogging community and uh it was a fantastic experience and that that brought me into the world of gaming mm -hmm. and from there i started taking japanese classes um and i started getting back into anime yeah. um 
which I had not been into since I was in middle school. I was terrified that people would find out I was a nerd. And you're in therapy this whole time yes. as well? So. Um, yes, with a different therapist. So I hadn't yeah. yet started seeing my, my new therapist who I adore. Right. Um, but you're in that process. You're I'm, writing. I'm you're in the process. doing anime. You're I'm, the- I'm still very much not in a good place at this point in time. Okay. In 2012... And it's weird talking about, and the reason I say that this feels like a world ago, a lifetime ago, mm-hmm. is because um, depression often impairs your memory. And so that time does not feel like proper memories, yeah. if that makes sense. They feel distorted. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm looking at these memories through this weird warped glass, if yeah. that makes sense. So. I remember all these things. I mean, I, I'm not like, I don't remember what I was doing in 2013. I mean that it just feels like a dream. It doesn't yeah. feel like me. It feels like it feels like that was somebody else almost, that I'm almost watching somebody else's life. Yeah, um, I, I feel like a lot of memories from depression or even when they're happening for that matter, kind of feel like you're living in a Twin Peaks episode. Oh, uh, and, absolutely. And, and then you look back and it's like, I watched the Twin Peaks episode a, a decade ago and my memory of real life is kind of like my memory of that episode I watched a decade ago. There's yeah. these pieces that are just no, kind of fuzzy. And, you're, uh, I mean, if you are not familiar with the term dissociating, um, if, <laughs> it's very much like you kind of recede back into your skull almost. And I do this sometimes. Now I sort of do it be- to relax um, just because it's something I've been doing for years. Um, but like I'll listen to like, like electron like beach house like electronic music and i'll just like zone out it is the psychological embodiment of the homer simpson hedge gif yes like it's it's so it's me (laughs) so if you picture me now with all this fantastic energy listening to beach house and zoning out it's like that times a thousand so (laughs) sorry i'm laughing and you're no but it's it's funny that's a lucid metaphor it it is Uh, I don't like it sounds like I'm talking about weed and I'm not because it's like that's I stay away from weed honestly because of that um, for the most part but it's California it's legal yeah I mean it's just not my jam okay there you go for for, I mean generally Um, but yeah but so it's hard to say it's hard to really stick a fork in the timeline here um but i kind of i do it by video games and i do it by songs and i do it by apartments okay so uh when i was 19 i moved into a new apartment this was around the time that i stopped eating (laughs) so um this is where it gets complicated so i i um ate probably 500 or fewer calories a day um do you if you don't mind me asking, why? What what began this my, change in, in my appetite was gone. Um, my they the medication they gave me, the antidepressant they gave me, did, was not working. Okay. Um, and it, since uh, talking to the to, to newer psychiatrists, they've been like, they prescribed you that yeah. first. Well, um, well, yeah, psychiatric same people don't react to the drugs the same way it's it's odd and then very people complicated just make mistakes as well too sometimes absolutely prescribe so i mean happens. a lot of it is trial and error yeah honestly i mean you can make a a guesstimate about yeah. oh this medication usually has this effect let's try it and if yeah. it doesn't work let's do something else um and so i was doing something that was basically ineffective so I'm still very depressed. I'm still, you know, having anxiety problems. Um, and they're really, really interfering with my ability to go to class. I'm If I miss one class, I miss 10 because I am terrified of not being prepared for the next okay. class. And I mean, it, it was a vicious cycle to the point where like um, my 
last year of college, I was having panic attacks in class because I was worried about missing class. I mean, it was just yeah. horrible, horrible. It has stuff. just gotten to a place where it's not only unmanageable, but it's just eating at your family side and snowballing. Absolutely. So this was the beginning of that, of it really, because my, my freshman year, I was able to still go to class. My, my first semester, I passed all my classes. I mean, I did my homework and it just continued to decline. So junior or uh, sophomore year, I'm in a new apartment. Uh, we're still dating. He's sort of like down the street and uh, I'm in a one room with four girls. So we have four beds in one room. And so okay. I stay at his place all the time because okay. I need to get out of there. Yeah. I build a gaming. This seems to kind of be a, a theme in your relationship that, that you're escaping from your roommates. Exactly. Uh, okay. So I build a gaming PC and I get into that more. Um, I did all the research and I, I built a PC and I was very proud of myself. I was also very insecure about abandoning the sciences. So it was one of my last, like, I'm still smart, you know, mm -hmm. um, which I have since reconciled. You're still writing at this point? Yes, I'm blogging. I start taking journalism classes and I applied for the Daily Californian, which is UC Berkeley's um, award-winning student paper. Ooh. So I started writing about video games for the arts and entertainment department okay. at this time. So I'm making headway in, in my career still. I'm not a bad place, but I am eating very little and I lose about 20 25 pounds oh my um this is the lightest I've been since I finished growing um well eating 500 calories a day is very dangerous it's yes absolutely I mean I wouldn't part of it was my appetite was just not there yeah. I would eat a thing of spinach and a and a nectarine and that yeah. I was done for the day um and Part of the problem was Bob uh, was too encouraging about my appearance at that point. Very like, you look so fantastic and not more concerned about how little I was eating. Um, and so that negative reinforcement, a lot of toxic ideas about uh, attractiveness and, and relationship dynamics um, and definitely reinforced like, you look so hot now. So, like, nice, babe. Um, and that is something I'm still very much recovering from. Do you think he understood that? No. No. Um, I mean, I think it's very hard for people who don't experience body, uh, you know, any sort of body anything to really understand um, in a lot of ways, but I didn't, I don't think he understood that his role in it either. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I was wondering. Actually, yeah. Is if I wonder if he understood, uh, what was happening in the relationship dynamic there. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I really don't. Did you guys ever talk about it? I don't think so. Um, so a lot of things are happening here. It's yeah. getting complicated. The relationship's not where you want it. Um, life is not, it, it is and it isn't though, because okay. he's somebody I need. I need him to escape from living situations that I can't handle being in. Okay. Because no one wants to live with somebody who's horribly depressed. And a depressed person doesn't want to live with people who don't want them around. Mm -hmm. So. Was Bob accepting of the symptoms of your depression and the absolutely. effect that had on your lives? Absolutely. I mean, he himself dealing with mental health stuff. That was one thing he was always very supportive of. And that's something that still terrifies me as somebody with anxiety. I'm like, one thing that terrifies me is, what if I get back into this place ever? The other thing is, what if I find somebody who 
I adore who adores me and then they find out or they have their first run in with a panic attack mm -hmm. and they go, oh God, just kidding, goodbye. I have been married for 15 years and a good portion of that time with a chronic clinical depression diagnosis and the ailment was there long before the diagnosis. I have some clue what you're talking about there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that fear is complicated, terrifying, and very real and has, it's, it's, you never get away from it or I never did. I can't speak for what yeah. happens to everybody, but it's, I, I still wake up at night staring at the ceiling going, oh no, what if I screw this up? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because it, it can be difficult to be close to somebody when they're suffering. It can. It, I mean, I think that the best thing that therapy has done for me is help me learn how to suffer proactively mm -hmm. if that makes sense so i now know like i had a really bad weekend the other weekend and i was being bonkers like i was just i knew it too mm -hmm. like i was reacting to a situation and i was like this person doesn't want me around and they're so annoyed with me and you know what if they're so annoyed with me then i'll just tell them that and then i i knew I knew that that was not what was happening in reality. Okay. I have I've gone through enough gone through enough and been through enough therapy to recognize when I'm spiraling and when um my view of reality has been distorted by the anxiety of the depression. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's the best thing therapy has done for me is then I was able to reach out to a close friend, say, "Hey, my brain's doing this right now." Okay. I'm very tempted to text this person this thing that i shouldn't say um can you like reality check me please yeah and this person was like don't do that that would <laughs> what if you said this proactive thing instead <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then and then guess what i texted the thing that my friend said to text and everything worked out everything okay. worked out okay excellent two things about this story first that's Excellent anecdote and wonderful advice. <laughs> Second, your helpful friend voice is almost exactly the same as your Andrew Goldfarb impression voice. And it's I, I, funny I, because that friend is Andrew Goldfarb. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. That that's was really good. The person I talked to was Andrew Goldfarb. That's really good. <laughs> okay, that's kind of wonderful because that was your Andrew impression voice. Was that my Andrew that voice? Was Andrew impression. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. She sounds it just was, like she's it, doing Andrew. I, it was Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. That's the one. I was like, Andrew, help. And he was like, it okay. And yeah. That's delightful. <laughs> that makes me happy. Let's go. So yeah. th in the course of college, so many things happening. What, where does it go, Callie? What happens? Okay. So fast forwarding, obviously now I'm okay. So I'll spare you all of that. Um, but 2013, uh, we, he and I go to E3. So you guys have been together two years at this point. Yeah, we were together over two years. Okay. It's a long relationship. Two and almost a half years. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very long, very dependent relationship. We were basically each other's only friends after a while. Okay. Um, and so, like I said, this is very complicated, and I mean this in very much like how this person affected my life, yeah. more so than the relationship itself, because there were a lot of problems with it. Um, and so, we go to E3. I meet up with a friend from the IGN blogs. Mm -hmm. And I go to E3 because I've been writing about video games for yeah. the the Daily Cal. Um, I get bumped up to assistant 
arts and entertainment editor for the summer semester um and i'm making a lot of progress in my my writing career and i'm, I'm learning a lot about the process of writing so i go to e3 i meet up with a friend from the ign blogs and she is talking to me about how she wants to break up with her boyfriend um and i know her boyfriend and so she's like i just you know just don't th and they've been together for around the same amount of time i had been with bob okay so that was what started the process of thinking because she was talking about how like you know he wants to do this kind of thing and I still want to do this kind of thing and I feel like he's thinks he has to babysit me and blah 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 and Bob was always like I don't like it when you drink don't drink mm -hmm. um and so she had sort of the similar thing where she was like I want to go out and drink with my friends and he always acts like that's the biggest burden in the world mm -hmm. and that was the first catalyst where I was like I started thinking about it. You saw it. one relational comparison. One common thing. But that started you thinking about other things. And I started thinking about, well, what other things are bad? What are, not bad, not like torturous, but what other things are not right? Not working? Yeah. So I think about it for six months. In, uh, around Christmas time, I mean, we've all gone home from college. Um, so this is the end of 2013. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he has not given me my present yet. I gave him his, which is fine. Usually a, a little bit after around new year's, I f went to, I went to some sale or something with my brother and I just like broke down because I realized I had to break up with Bob and my brother, like, at, tried to ask me about it and I was like I don't know and then I realized I had to do it yeah, it was just a psychological examination uh, an accounting of all the things that were happening and a realization that mm -hmm. you two were not going to be happy together or that you weren't happy it together. was the realization that this was not healthy for either of us right um, so I couldn't handle it anymore and I called him and I was like we really need to talk um, like he's two hours away so i'm like just is there when can we can we do this yeah and do you think he knew yeah he knew immediately and he drove down to meet me and he gave me my present and that this is so this is gonna sound so this that was very somber but this is one of my favorite anecdotes about my life actually because uh he gives me my present i'm I'm like so tired of the things that are not good and the overdependency and all these problems. And it's like a month late, he gives me a Vita and Persona 4 Golden. And I was like, I'm breaking up with you. I can't accept this. And he was like, but I got it for you. No, you, you always take Persona 4 Golden when it's offered. He was like, no, I got it for you. And I was like, dude, I really can't accept this. And he's like, no, I insist. And that is how I got my Vita and Persona 4. Yeah, that, um, and that is always the correct answer you may choose to give the ring back but you keep the vita and persona for yeah i mean uh <laughs> yeah so i i felt awful about it but then i was also like well it was a month late so and and he this was an amicable breakup he was no he fought really hard for it yeah. um and i why do you think that was i think it was we were very over dependent yeah um and because we had come from this place of vulnerability, meeting when we were 18, kind of like growing together, but in this sort of like the, the end of inside, just like, you know, uh, not in a good way. Not in a good way. Okay. But um, I'm going to do a physics thing really quick. 
So one thing that um, in any space program that you'll see is like slingshotting. Yeah. Um, right. So like slingshotting uh, whatever spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how I feel like we were the gravitational pull mm-hmm. was too strong. And somehow I got out of it and I was able to slingshot on my own path. You got that's sort of back around. Okay. That is sort of how I, I see it in my mind. Um, and so from then we, we break up um, at the beginning of 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, I applied. Wait. Yes. No. Oh, we hadn't broken up yet. I had applied for an IGN position. I got. I had gotten freelance work at IGN. Okay. The summer of 2013. So I remember that. Yes. So after after going to E3, um, I yeah. Met you that summer. Yeah, yeah. So summer of 2013, I had started doing freelance reviews, um, and so I have gotten my my trajectory, my career trajectory on track, and we break up at the beginning of 2014, and I continue to do freelance work until I get the job at the beginning of 2015. Um, And so he is, despite all of the bad things, the person who both helped me discover my problem, my problem with depression, and not help me heal, but help me get on the path to managing it, helped me at least identify what I needed to do. And then he was the person who helped me identify how I needed to change my my conception of what my career could be i was always like i gotta do science that's what that's what smart people do and that was that's what good strong women do we do science i'm a stem girl and um i had all this internalized misogyny about how like the arts are below what you know you're conceding defeat um and that's never how I picked. That's never how I thought of other people, but that's how I thought of myself. Yourself, okay. And and so he is the person who did that for me, who opened up, who opened up a world that I had shut out, um, and so gave me the the career, the rewarding, rich career filled with people that that are unmatched in in value to my life and enjoyment and joy. Hmm. Um, that is complex. He is yeah. the person who opened that up to me. So he helped open up the career. He helped open your heart and mind to what was going on with your anxiety and mm-hmm. depression. And at the same time, he was not the person to be with at that time in your life. Exactly. That's, did you love him? That's a, that's a complicated question. Mm-hmm. I think I did. Yeah. I think I, I think I did for a did time. Did he love you? Yes. Where is he now? I don't know. Yeah. People walk in and out of our lives and stories to make them palatable are often, I think, oversimplifications of the way Mm -hmm. that relationships actually end up happening, uh, romantic, fraternal, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing this one and this, uh, this little slice of your life that's pretty darn big Uh, thank you for that yeah thank you for letting me share it i don't talk about it very often because it is so complex and i i'm very happy that i'm not in that time of my life anymore and i'm very happy that i'm not that i've moved moved past that relationship and that um the who i was at that time i'm far and away 
much happier and more satisfied with myself but it's something that's very important and i i don't get to talk about it that often before we move on uh, one last question mm -hmm. um and this is more for the folks on watching on camera listening etc <laughs> you mentioned finding yourself in a place in your relationship where you went the dependencies are wrong here this is not what needs to be happening mm -hmm. but it took a long time for that reality to become clear to you you talked about that first conversation you had and the switch flipping and other mm -hmm. for people who are in relationships and wondering about that what's your advice on recognizing defining health versus unhealth in mm -hmm. that kind of situation um i think the biggest mistake the easiest mistake to make um when you think you've found a relationship that's good is not understanding what good means and I think a lot of people mistake um, like the, the problem with this relationship was we spent almost all of our time together and we didn't have time to grow outside of one another yeah um, time or room so I didn't have a lot of friends um, he was pretty much my only real friend mm -hmm. for a very long time and so my conception of myself was entirely tied to him and then to a much lesser extent my work and uh, when I shifted away from that relationship I was able to gain a stronger sense of self and what my work meant to me and um, we just I just think if you're with somebody who doesn't make you feel like the best version of yourself that you are then that's not the right place to be and I don't mean like oh they make me a better person because they give to charity and now I give to charity more or like they make me go to the gym more because they're a gym rat I mean like somebody who doesn't value the things about you that are you and somebody who doesn't help you live up to those things Thank whatever you. they may yeah. be that makes sense. Thank you Callie uh, we're going to take the hard left turn that we usually take in the show here now at about this point. And we need to thank our Patreon producers, Nick Rie and Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes this show possible, as well as all of you who constantly give and support on Patreon. Bless you. Thank you, you wonderful, generous people for keeping us on the air. I really appreciate it. It's extraordinary that you're willing to do this month after month. It means the world. Uh, we have these, uh, it, it, for anybody, whether you whether they're on Patreon or otherwise, uh, one of these nifty t-shirts that uh, Max Govill made. Uh, we're down in Max's basement right now. I live in Max's basement. Yeah. Oh, I maybe I shouldn't have said that, actually. Is that no, okay? everybody knows I live okay, in Max's yeah. basement. Okay, yeah. So we're in Max's basement, and, uh, and if... Uh, He's it's my kind big of brother. A, it's, it's a cute shirt. It says Tamago Sensei, which is what my uh, students used to call me in Japan. Um, because egg I, Sensei. Yeah, they thought I was very funny looking. I'm a funny looking man. But yeah, if you want one of these groovy shirts, uh, you can take a look here on the screen, and it'll have the address where to find it. You can find it in the description for the show at all, etc. Or you can hop over over to pocketsfullsoup.com or our Patreon page. Find that. And going down the list, hey guys, we got a Facebook group and it's fun and nifty and neat. And Facebook like groups are fun. Facebook groups are fun and ours is a very friendly one. You you uh you have the you're still in the anime club Facebook group. Yeah. Right? yeah. The the late podcast IGN Anime Club still has a Facebook group and um that was like the most positive community experience I ever had on the internet. That's still a pretty active so community. It uh, is yeah. absolutely. Podcast communities are fantastic. I love them. Because you get to know 
you get to know yeah. a person in a very unique way you and really yeah you get to know people it's fantastic I, we live magical dream lives in some ways don't the, we i mean i know i said my depression life was like remembering a dream but this is a very different kind of living in a dream these like, are the good dreams much, yeah. yeah you guys make so much possible for us thank you yes. thank you from deeply uh for what you allow to happen now I am pulling out the phone because we got a few instant noodles questions for you. Yeah, there. ready. So we're going to start, before we get to the phone, we're going to start with, with my favorite instant noodles question. This was a uh, community question. What is best sandwich? What is best sandwich? Yep. Ooh. What is best sandwich? Ooh. Uh, avocado BLT. Ooh, that's a great one. Ooh, yeah. So, so um, I like... <laughs> California avocado, you're a California girl, right? I am. So, I'm from Southern California. Okay, so... I had not experienced California avocado until I moved out here. And I liked avocado, I thought. Oh, but holy no. cow, they're just better here. They are. They're just better. And oh, avocado on a BLT. If you think you don't like it, have one in California. Melty, you get like a good jack cheese, maybe a pepper jack. Mm. You get the avocado. You get some crispy bacon. Yeah. You get a light on the tomato. I like to do... I'm. I'll do a little bit of tomato. Tomato's an afterthought on my BLT. Do you toast Mal or not toast? Toast. Toast. Okay. All, all about toast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't make one. I go buy one. You go buy one. What's the best place to get a, a avocado BLT right In San Francisco, Cafe Madeline. Very good. Cafe Madeline, San Francisco. Love you heard it. it here first, guys. Love Cafe Madeline. Uh, what is best Pokemon? Mimikyu. What is best Pokemon type? Ghost. Create your own Pokemon modeled after the person you are most thankful for. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um... Uh, normal type, um, and not competitively viable. Okay, uh, I'm making this one up. Uh, what Pokemon is Andrew Goldfarb? Oh, Andrew's so moe. He's a Growlithe. He's <laughs> okay. And last one, cheese or fruit? The, who? Huh? Would, who would ask me that cheese? Uh, Steven Fortana asks this. Cheese. Cheese. All right, you're going for cheese. Look, um, it's so not good for you but i don't think i could go a day without eating cheese uh what movie changed or affected your life the most what it's from lauren evans instant noodles gotta gotta react i, I, gotta think, react. I think the the first movie that comes to mind the first movie that like i thought actually affected me was american beauty oh why, why american beauty what struck you about it um the, the the discomfort and honestly the thing about the plastic bag being beautiful messed with my teenage mind okay well yeah that there is no better time to see that than when you're a teenager exactly with that that's yeah. that's absolutely true yeah i that movie messed with me in about seven different ways i oh, really like it a lot absolutely it oh. just like just comes at you i mean that moment when the asparagus crashes against the wall is if you just ran that in the loop for two hours that's kind of what american beauty is emotionally it's it's, yeah. it's quite a film good that choice is, thank you um right here uh uh, Trevor Starkey asks, if you could have any Pokemon follow you around in real life, a la Pikachu in yellow, which would you choose? Mm, Growlithe. Also Growlithe. Okay. Uh, is it the Andrew Goldfarb Growlithe? No, a different one. I was thinking I was going to do a follow-up. If you could have any person follow you around in real life, a la Pikachu. Probably Andrew. Okay, there we go. I'm his persona. Wait, what is going on here? We're just like three We're, Andrews in a row tonight. Andrew is one of my dearest friends, and we are like the same. We just are so similar. Andrew is delightful. We need to get you Andrew on the show together. Oh, my God. That'd yeah, be so I'd good. I love that. So, yeah, I, I think that might be that might be a family-style thing. That, that would be like great. something to do. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to make that work. 
Uh, let's see. Aside from anime, what are your thoughts on the cartoons from the new released uh, Disney Afternoon Collection? Did you watch them? I did not, but I did help edit that review today. You did. You helped edit that review. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we get, I get to do peer editing, and then yeah. Oh, fine. But uh, my thoughts on cartoons in general, I'll just because I heard thoughts on cartoons. Yeah. I live for cartoons and I have a very lengthy, long knowledge of animated comedies made for adults. And I think about Mike Judge all the time. That's the correct answer to any question is I think about Mike Judge all the time. Uh, <laughs> expound. My knowledge of animated cartoons made for adults in the West is way too large for my age i started out watching simpsons went on to king of the hill uh dabbled in beavis and butthead did a i've done a little bit of venture bros futurama um uh i obviously have done rick and morty bojack horseman i really like archer like i just i and then uh, bob's burgers i just watch a lot of animated comedies not made for children do you subscribe to the correct theory that king of the hill is is secretly one of the best things to ever be made by people. King of the Hill is so good. Yeah, I love King of the Hill. Um, <laughs> if, if you think... Here's the thing about King of the Hill. I feel like people, everybody remembers watching half a dozen episodes. I'm like, oh, those were pretty good. Well, but it's, it was like that for like 13 years. No, you you remember... Like, people remember like, whoa! And people remember yeah. propane and propane accessories. Yeah. But like, the, they're like... So, so the... um There was one thing. I mean, they even touched on race. So like the... uh What's, what's her they name? They touched Tommy? on everything. Like, her family, their dog's name is Puppy. And she's like trying to call the dog. And someone's like, no, no, it is a puppy. And then she's like assuming she doesn't speak English. And That's like right. I remember seeing that at a young age. And it like resonate Like not resonate Because resonating. she it, chose it, not to use an article because it was the dog's proper name. Yes. Right. And it like... Oh. I was like, oh my God. God, microaggressions. Like I understood microaggressions right in there, a way that boom. I never could as a white girl in no, a white town. I, I like, uh, I think it's the guys at the, uh, the Laser Time podcast pointed out, maybe even Chris Santista pointed out that the thing about Hank Hill is that he's a character that you feel like if we followed all the stereotypes would always make the awful self-centered nearsighted choices, but he loves everyone around him so much that he is willing to give up what he would go for first for the sake of his children or mm -hmm. his child or his wife or his neighbor or his, he will always change and learn something for the sake of the person around him. And that's what makes him great. Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of truth to that, that, yeah. that Hank screws up a lot, but he is always trying to be better. And that's, it's very rare to have a TV show about someone who's always trying to improve. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I and that's just... his thing. I just love animation, you guys. Yeah, animation's the best. Uh, Megan Sullivan asks, girl, why you so fierce? Years of practice. Years of practice? That's what's happened? No, oh, no. It's uh, uh, fake it till you make it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg Miller asks, do you know how badly, or does she know how badly, oh, this is Greg. Okay. Does right. she know how badly I beat her ass at Mario Kart? It's it's going down greg you have no idea what you've signed up for i will destroy you are you and greg gonna have a mario kart battle oh yeah when's this happening as soon as mario kart 8 deluxe is out um i am way too confident in my mario kart skill but for good reason i've earned it okay is this going to be filmed like are we going to be able to watch this uh yeah i think he's streaming it Okay, that's delightful. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'll, we're also doing, to... I've also, uh, I won an IGN Mario Kart thing. I won a bet in the GameSpot office about whether or not I could beat somebody at Mario Kart. And we are doing an in-office tournament that I will win. I'm so good at Mario Kart. You know who's not good at Mario Kart is me. 
and you will always beat me because I love the game and I am not good at it at all. And I have never been <laughs> way too into Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. Well, it's kind of glorious. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. It's time to fight. Yep. What so, is the most terrifying creature in the natural world? The natural world. Anglerfish. <gasps> Ooh. First person to say that. Okay, why? Um, because their whole thing is they lure you with the promise of light to your death. Uh-huh. And have you seen their eyes yeah. and their teeth? And maybe there was a Banjo-Tooie boss that was an anglerfish. Do you know? Of I know. I didn't want to say it. Then I was going to say I know. Don't even. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to go there. Do, um, <laughs> stupid bear and that stupid bird. <laughs> um, do you, uh know about the the difference between male and female anglerfish i don't actually so you thought anglerfish were terrifying before uh-huh everybody just go google male and female anglerfish it's unreal uh i believe it's uh, our friends at the good job brain podcast i think that first pointed this out to me if i remember correctly or pointed out to their audience it's the most nightmarishly terrifying thing you could imagine being real I it's, thought so. I said they were the most terrifying creature, and they are. But even more. But so I than didn't you. even understand how terrifying they are. Yes, I. I what I, is it? Oh, it's 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 too good. So sometimes when I can't fall asleep, I read about cryptids, mm-hmm. and then when I read about cryptids, I start reading about the animals that inspired cryptids, and then I go on this marine biology like trip. But I haven't ever arrived at male and female anglerfish. Anglerfish sex is literally vampiric parasitism oh one of those deals yeah it's really amazing oh that happens a lot little versions of the other gender latch on and become part of the blood veins covering the body of the other with their tiny tiny little microscopic forms all the little ridges you see on an anglerfish those are other anglerfish sexually physically and blood system bonded to the anglerfish so i was gonna guess it was a sex thing yeah but that is horrific yeah they can't let go they're part of it they grow into it they become part of its circulatory system it's really weird i think i had the good i had a good answer i think an excellent answer answer, though that was a wonderful answer absolutely what's the best song written in the last 100 years Oh, oh God. The best song? Yeah, the best song written in the last 100 years. Not my favorite song. Nope, not your favorite. Those are different. Totally different. But What if it's not and the answer is Mr. Brightside? (laughs) Well, Mr. Brightside's a really good song. Is that what you're going to say? You know what? I feel like I should say something about Radiohead or something smart. (laughs) I know you don't like Radiohead. I like everything. I don't know what you're talking about. I just think Radiohead is a fine cover band that does excellent rem impressions so does that make muse a cover band that does impressions of a cover band doing rem impressions yeah kind of matt bellamy is a second rate tom york uh, <laughs> um i'm i'm gonna just say mr brightside okay that's a that's a delightful choice i i it's a clever song i like it a lot actually. i love that song yeah we have that you get answers all over the map on this i'm sure I, what is your favorite song i'm curious my favorite song is someday by the strokes Ooh, oh that's a good choice i like that one a lot um next up what's the first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice goblin goblin 
that's like my that's my um trending term to that i've been using to describe myself lately it's like my new thing yeah is sometimes i'm like wow i really don't want this guy to see me without makeup because i'm a goblin oh you're not a goblin I, I don't know why i do it it's so when i think about anything related to my own self that's usually right now trending term goblin goblin all right when i think goblin i think the first thing i think of is ren and stimpy and nose goblin oh, I think that's where i go right away yeah that's kind of if you could travel through time meet any one person who would it be and why Ooh, if i could meet any one person any one person yeah just one just one that's the rule only back in time no you can go forward We've had people go back 20 years and interview themselves when they're younger or impart advice. We've had people pop to the future. Do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. My biggest time travel thing would want to be. Well, no. I. You know what? That used to be my biggest time travel thing was going back and like undoing my own mistakes. But now I like where I am. So those mistakes like led me to it. So that's not my answer anymore. I think I would interview my dad. You'd interview your dad. What what age would he be when you interviewed him? Like 17. Like 17. Why would you want to do that? Because my dad and I are more similar than I think I ever realized. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I'm so drawn to that time period. My dad's really young mm-hmm. uh, compared to all my friends' dads, I guess, because um, my friends are generally older than me. Um, but my dad's f- almost 52. He's really young. Um, and so like I was talking to him about how he was really into Aerosmith and if you liked Aerosmith, you could not like kiss, mm-hmm. you could not listen to kiss. And so like, just like two years ago, he finally started listening to kiss because he was like, oh yeah, I can do this now. That's really funny. And so I just want to like go back and maybe I would go a little older. Maybe I'd do like 22, like right before he meets my mom. Okay. I just want to know like, what are you about? Like, what's your deal? What's this guy My like? dad would like sneak out to see concerts. Like, I want to meet that dude. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, because I, now I realize that I am totally, that I have that spirit in me. Yeah. And before I was very like buttoned up and I would go out in high school and my dad would go, don't do anything I wouldn't do. That gives you a lot of options. And I'd be like, haha, dad, I'm going to go to study group, you know? So you'd like find 17 year old dad and be like, I'm your daughter. I'd be like, <laughs> I love beer. Let's talk about beer for a while. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the number of, th- okay. You know what? Next question. I'm just thinking about like going back and talking to my dad when he was that age. I mean, golly. I also want to catch him before he gets, I mean, he's just like so bogged down in work now. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, so I feel like I could still talk to him about those things, right? Like I could still be like, what was it like when you were 22 and you saw this band live that I they're dead now and I can't see them, you know? But like, uh, I feel like I would, I just want to see what the, th- th- those answers would be like. I, I'm an old man that likes old man movies. Um, I rewatched Field of Dreams for the umpteenth time recently. One of the lines at the beginning of that, and he's talking about his father and he says, he was already an old man when I was born. Mm-hmm. And talking about how he never knew anything but a working too hard, exhausted single parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to think about the, the kind of the theme of that movie is that there was somebody else there before. That's a that's a it's hard for us as children to imagine that. Yeah. And like with my mom, my one of the things I admire most about her is that she has always been her own person. Um, 
like she was my mom and she's she's my mom but she's also like kathy who mm -hmm. happens to be my mom yeah who does her own things and has this rich inner life and like my mom and i now talk a lot and like i have like a very good relationship with her and so not that i don't have a good relationship with my dad but my dad and i just don't, don't have like that like talking constantly because he he that's just not his he doesn't yeah. want to text all the time um and now it's like we talk about call of duty because like we can play that together at a distance okay um and so i would just love to rather than be like my tired dad who goes to bed at nine and gets up and has an hour and a half commute to his software engineering job and who's tired and who watched watches garbage dad tv oh what's garbage dad tv oh like garbage guess guess how garbage real housewives of beverly hills oh no 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 that's garbage mom and cali tv oh oh okay I'm no sorry. he watches like like terrible like sitcoms like terrible like get canceled after a couple episodes sitcoms. oh okay wow All right. um and it's because he like he has to do something that'll turn his brain off i think okay. I, that's my hypothesis <laughs> but All right. my I, point is i just want to i want to catch him i just i would love to see him less tired yeah, <laughs> i would sense. love to talk to him about those things and see like still like the like the mischievous like oh yeah i snuck out and i saw journey and it was rad maybe when like you're rich you can take him on like a, a month-long cruise or something and just yeah. like see like chill relaxed dad yeah that'd be amazing hey dad we're gonna follow a led zeppelin cover band around the country let's go what's your favorite word onomatopoeia oh great word and um uh, cake or pie mm, pie well chosen that makes up for a banjo all right so <laughs> anyway uh thank you very much Callie, for joining us here it means a whole lot having you on i wanted to do this i wanted to have you on the show since since we started this so yeah, i'm really excited it's our schedules have just not been yeah, working out, worked we out. Finally we finally did it yay thank you so much for having we'll me we'll be back again soon there's some some other things that you're, you're such a radiant personality and there's a lot of different things I, i'd really like to to have you be able to do on the show if it's possible so uh, thank you for watching, listening at all, etc. Supporting us in every possible way. You can mail us at mail at pocketsfullest.com. If you want to talk to this nice young person, you can do that. You can do that on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. I checked my notifications, so if you at me, I might respond, unless you say something mean. In which case, probably not. And, and then I won't respond. Yeah, don't say mean things. <laughs> don't be mean. This is not a mean community. No, I'm, okay. I'm nice confident that everyone will be nice. All right, so thank you all very much. We'll see you next time, and uh, bye-bye.